Hi, I'm Erica Darvis. Hi, I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. We are two best friends talking hot topics and all of the podcasts that we're totally obsessed with. So come please be our friend on social media. You can find us at Podcast RWD on Instagram and Twitter. And then head over to Facebook and search Podcast Rewind. You can listen to our show wherever you're already listening to your favorite podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever that is, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because we need your stars to keep this show going. Cheers. Cheers. Let's talk podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Podcast Rewind, episode 71. One of your hosts, Erica, with my best friend, fellow pod lover, fellow beverage drinker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Amy. What's up, guys? Hi. Beth? Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm agitated. Is it because of the storm that rolled in this evening? Uh, it's because of the storm that brought our fucking president. That's the storm I'm talking about. That's the damn storm. You guys, Trump is in Orlando, and I feel very ugh about it. I know. The only thing that brought me joy today was, like, the end of the earth storms that were blowing through, and people mm-hmm. have been waiting outside of the Amway since yesterday. And I don't know why. They keep touting that the whole... Um, event that Trump is speaking at is sold out and like you can't get tickets but like honestly I keep getting like bot text messages they're like hey do you want to see the president click here to get tickets so like, I think he's having trouble selling seats yeah but do you even buy seats to this like no there was like register to attend yeah so like you can't get people to come for free Take that. Take a note. Like we just talked about last week, the city is about love. We're not about your bullshit. And by the way, Orlandonians aren't going to see Trump. It's like people driving in from a popka. Oh, 100%. You know. Like the middle of the state. We are the middle of the state, but the northern middle. Oh, I mean like outside of that blue I-4 corridor. (laughs) Like these guys are coming from the north and the south. You know what the worst part is today? I opened up like my dating apps. Oh, wait. Oh. Oh. The gems I was finding. Because, what? so they're location-based. They're, yeah. You know, like, wherever you are is where you're going to see the people around you on yes. the ones that you're on. That's true. That's for the people who are not single, like <laughs> me, looking, not looking on dating apps. But, yes, yeah, so you can see how far away people are. And I have mine said, like, 30 miles. And these guys were just so gross. And some of them were like, I'm the man your mom wanted you to marry and the guy your dad wishes he could be. Really? Out the gate, you're going to fuck with my father? Like, well, who the fuck are you? I think, first of all, you need to rethink that phrasing. Fuck with. <laughs> Mess but with. But second of all, yeah, no. Right? Come out the gate putting my dad down and it's not going to go well no, for you. No, it's fucking Father's Day the other day. Be yeah. cool about dad. Get off my jock. And I will not be on your jock, sir. Most certainly not. <laughs> Unfortunately for I, you. I mean, there were a lot of left swipes. And then I was like, you know what? Too much for the soul. Put it down. But today's not the <laughs> Today day. Today is not the day you're going to find love on the internet, Erica. Well, and they're all like, you know, soaked to the bone right now uh-huh. and smelling like garbage anyways. Standing is downtown. that different? It's probably not that different, <laughs> no, but hot, wet garbage. Yeah. No, it's been so gross, guys. We always talk about the weather, but we are in full hurricane season mode. And if mm-hmm. you go back and listen to an episode of June from last year, I'm sure this is the same conversation. Just Copy, paste. Less Trump. Yes, Trump, but it was just like end of the earth rain in these past couple of days. It sure has been. Which I don't mind when I'm working. No, I, I mean, okay, so time for our Central Florida weather update. <laughs> <laughs> do, 
<laughs> Weather on the Ones with Amy and Erica. <laughs> I'm Amy Randolph, and this oh, is your Podcast Rewind Weather Report. <laughs> no, it really has been just miserably wet. Yeah. And, like, we soups need the rain. Uh-huh. All of that jazz, and it's just, it's our rainy season in Florida. Though this year has been, like, weird already. Oh, well, when May was hitting, like, 105 degrees, and now June is, like, it's 82, but it's going to rain from, like... Sun up to sun down. It's like, I don't know. What which way do I go I miss December. (laughs) I always miss December, if I can just share that. Can I give you a Taylor Swift coat? I think back to December all the time. That was a good pull, wasn't it? It was good. I pulled out a Christmas candle the other night. I saw saw an Instagram that was like, it's June, which means it's six months to the end of the year. Like, don't end your year the way you started it. Like, finish strong. And I was like, oh, Christmas is coming. <laughs> That's what I thought I mean, of. Christmas in July is almost here. Totally. It's, I cannot believe it is almost July 1st. No. Like, for real, I think. Does that hit next week? I think it does. No, it's in two weeks. Well, okay. I have no sense of time. That's okay. It's July 18th. There's 31 days. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's wash this away. Cheers. Cheers. It's time for drink of the week. I'll go first because I'm drinking an alcoholic beverage. Yes. I'm having Target white wine. Oh, and how is that? It's appropriate for the president being here (laughs) and this shitty podcast we're about to talk about. This trash wine. It's themed. I had their rosé last week. It was actually really palatable. I've had their rosé. It's okay. It's all right. I have started to drink rosé with lots of ice in it. Yeah, well... That, I mean, when a rosé is, like, a little bit too, like, thick and syrupy for me, Uh then I like a lot of ice because it kind of dilutes it and brings it to, like, as dry as I want it to be. Sure. I don't mind it with, like, a regular, a nice Mm rosé because then it really waters it down and I feel like I'm really having summer water. That's just going to get me a little buzz, but hydrated because it's hot out. You know what we should get back into is doing spritzers with rosé and, like, like a basil leaf that we, like, slap. Yes. The Um, so bougie of us. so bougie. Kettle One came out with a bunch of botanical... Um, liquors like oh, yeah? a cucumber and mint vodka, a rose grapefruit vodka. Okay, okay, I'm into it. I know. What are you drinking? Well, thank you for asking. I am currently having a mocktail of mm. half kombucha, half sparkling water. So, Amy, my beverage has a wee bit of alcohol in it. You're talking like 0.05. I'm talking like you can buy this underage. So there's, it's like. <laughs> Though what you can't do with like an O'Doul's or anything like that, non-alcoholic beer, you still have to be 21 to purchase. Yeah, I don't give a shit. I haven't bought an O'Doul's since before I was 21. I've never bought an O'Doul's. Maybe for somebody else. But yeah, anyway, I'm torturing myself and I'm trying not to drink for two weeks just to do a hard reset. And it's day two. It. Gotta do it sometimes. So you're 10% there. I'm 10% there. And I'm like, oh, I could really just have like... I have a bottle of Pinot Noir on the counter that is... Killing me. Well, it's gonna. It's open, so it's not gonna last. It's not gonna last. I mean, do you want to waste that wine, or do you want to? Anyway, you do you, girl. Look, remember when we did sober January for like a week and a half? Wasn't that? Did we do a week and a half? I think I made it. You went on a date early in the month, and we're like, fuck it. (laughs) And then I followed. Oh, that's right. When I was dating, Um, (laughs) that time, yes, I would only drink on dates, and so. Yes. I was like, do you want to go out every night? He was like, I don't want to date you anymore. And I was like, I get that, but do you still want to go out so I can drink? Well, you just really gave it up. I totally did. It's fair. Well, yeah, after a breakup, you drink your face off. Yeah. And then discuss why he was an asshole or the red flags you didn't see. And, like, you have to convince yourself in hindsight. 
Well, sometimes accidentally before a breakup, you drink your face off, and then they dump you, and you're like, oh, well, I got, well, you're right. Yeah, well, I you go wrong. what happened. That's so funny. Well, just me? No? No. <laughs> I think people can relate to that. You're super hashtag relatable. Yay. Yay. So um, but speaking of things that are also relatable, I think it's time that we ask. And I'd be like, why are you so obsessed with me? What are you obsessed with? All right. What are you obsessed with this week? Um, a variety of things, if I can. So one, we are going to an event at the House of Blues on Saturday. I'm pre-obsessed. Yes. With this podcast, beer, music event at House of Blues being hosted by the What Ails Ya podcast guys. Yes. And we have been in such an Instagram friendship with those guys. They've been so kind. We're an insta-love. We're totally an insta-love. So excited to like, sync up with them. Mm-hmm. Chat beer, chat podcasts. See what we can do to get them on our show, because I think we want to dive deep into, like, craft beer and how it got so popular. It's time for a crossover episode, isn't it? I think so. 100%. So that's, like, a preemptive obsession of the week, but I'm currently obsessed with ASMR, which is (laughs) when people talk real quiet into a microphone. And I don't know what the point is. I think it's to make you feel, like, tingly and, like, kind of soothe you. Like, some people like a white noise machine. ASMR works for other people. Like, it's very yeah, strange just, noises. I mean, it could be incredibly creepy or very calming. Or Depends. fucking hilarious. Because or a hilarious. lot of people on Instagram have been dubbing, like, iconic Bravo TV moments, reality TV, reality TV moments. And it has been so funny. The podcast is scratching the wall. Sorry. That's She's not, mad at me because I sat on her tail. Well, that's not the ASMR I was looking for, Kat. <laughs> Um, but listening to Danny Pellegrino say things like, I don't know what I did to you, but I'll take a Pinot Grigio. From Vanderpump Rules, Stassi is so funny. I cannot stop laughing about it. While well, I also have to like hold my phone to my ear so I can understand exactly what they're saying. Yeah, it's a very difficult internet trend to get behind because it, it has to be a very quiet location when you like, I know, but interact like, with it. There are YouTubers that do ASMR exclusively and make millions of dollars. How, how, I how don't long? understand how we can't get a grasp on any market. <laughs> okay, that's next for us. Let's do a YouTube channel that no one follows. <laughs> Perfect. Added to the list of things nobody follows, not even my mom. <laughs> Just kidding. Amy, what are you currently obsessing over? I am so obsessed with, um, I went and did a thing over the weekend and my, well, first of all, look, my shoulders, my back, my forearms still hurt from like a game that once again, he who shall not be named who's speaking downtown right now plays every day and somehow I'm sore. So I need to think about my personal life choices. <laughs> but I played golf this weekend. Yeah. I went out by myself. Um, I went on Father's Day morning to honor my dad. And I have not golfed in like three plus years, which I'm super embarrassed by. Um, kindly for Christmas, about four years ago, my dad gifted me a beautiful set of new clubs and I need to be taking them out way more. I just had such a, like, I am one with the wind and sky yeah. <laughs> kind of wind moment. Pablo. I mean, I um, I am not, like, some idiot that was out there, you know, smack around in the golf course screaming yeah. for. I actually know the game really well. My dad taught me golf growing up, and I've played with him my whole life. And that's why I felt like a really good tribute to go play on Father's Day. Yeah. Um, in his honor this year, but man, I fucking enjoyed myself. Yeah. I had just the greatest time, you know, 
it was one of those activities that when I was a kid was kind of a chore, uh-huh. sort of like practicing my piano when I took piano yeah. lessons when I was younger. And now that I've quit piano, I, I miss it. Now I, now Same. all of a sudden, I mean, I live in an apartment and so like I can't really have a piano or even a nice keyboard, but I wish that I did. And like, I know that I could always play piano again because I can read music and I know where middle C is, yeah. right? So like I could always with enough practice and, you know, dedication to it, go back to playing the piano but a golf swing is in my body like riding a bike is. Uh-huh. And it's just, it was really good to get out there and swing again. I hit some real shitty shots. It happens. Lost a few balls in the water. I hit some gorgeous shots. Go to my Instagram at I'm Amy Randolph as I soups bragged all about it. Yeah, you did. Um, so I'm, I'm really obsessed. It was a really good memory and something that I want to incorporate back in my life in a more permanent way going forward. Yeah. And always think about my daddy. And I'd love to tag along and then, like, hang out at the 19 hole afterwards. Sure. Find a man, maybe get off the bumble. Yes, girl. Get my swing in, you know, all of that goodness. Well, I love it. Yes. I'm so happy for you. But, yeah, maybe stretch those arms out. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, maybe I should do some push-ups or something. Yeah. Just a little tight. Maybe I just need a massage. Oh, yeah, you could do that, too. There are plenty of places in town where you can get that done. That would probably put me right. Yeah. You want to jump into what we're talking about this week? Sure. All right. So we are fully going podcast hard on Podcast Rewind this yeah. week. Because we are going to do a traditional unpack mm-hmm. of a podcast series that we both listen to. So I guess I would say a few weeks ago now, I came home and I was like, oh my God, Erica, I started this new podcast. I'm so excited for our show to come up this week. I already know my pop-up. And you're like, okay, well, you know, give me a preview. So I started to tell you about the show I found called The Shrink Next Door. Yep. So this is a wondering podcast. And I laid out like the first episode for you and you were like, hold up. I am so down. That sounds so interesting. I want to listen to this and, you know, maybe let's talk about it together on the show. Yeah. So when I found it, I think two episodes were out. And so we've been waiting and listening every week and checking in with each other. So the series ended last week. It's Mm -hmm. a six-parter. And we are ready to unpack it. Yeah. If you are new to Podcast Rewind, hi. How are you? Welcome. Hi. Follow us. Five stars, please. (laughs) Back in the day, Amy and I loved to take a full series, dissect it, talk about it, share it with you. If you didn't want to put your time into six parts, we got you. We'll give you a good overview. You'll hear our thoughts, what we liked, what we didn't like, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of everything. So we love to go kick it old school, like you Mm -hmm. said. So when you brought the shrink next door... I couldn't believe the synopsis you were sharing with me. Yeah. It was almost like Therapy Gone Girl. Yes. You know, it changed and you went, what? Therapy Gone Girl is a great way to put it. Thank it's, you. Um, it's it's a little bit like true crime, but even more like psychological warfare. Yeah. Maybe so. So let's get right into it. So the um, narrator of our podcast is Joe Nacera, mm-hmm. who is a former New York Times reporter. Yeah. So, and this is an interesting one too, because he came upon this story. He wasn't assigned by his editor or whomever. This, his next door neighbor, um, he got to know and learned some really weird shit about them to the point where he started following it for a couple of years and pitched it to his editors at the New York Times. Yeah. And then it just, an article wouldn't have done it justice. No. So here he is with his six part wondery podcast. So Jonas Sarah is a lucky guy who happened to have a house out in Southampton yeah. that he would summer at with he and his wife, Diane. And so the first summer that they bought the house, I think he said was 2011. And they're out there, like, you know, getting their bearings and their gorgeous new, I'm sure, you mm-hmm. know, Southampton summer house. 
And they get a knock on the door from what appears to be a maintenance man. And he says, hi, I work for Ike Hirschkoff, who lives next door. And he and his wife, Becky, would like to invite you to a summer party at their house. Mm Mm-hmm. So Joe and Diane, like, oh, we're new to the neighborhood. This sounds so hospitable. lovely. So hospitable of them. So next next night comes, whenever it is, and they go to this house next door. And this party, there's a little something off. Yeah. Joe and Diane are like, whoa. <laughs> the house is just loud. Yeah. And Ike, Ike Hirschhoff. It's very garish. It's just, you know... Who Ike is, because he's a guy in every single photo, Mm -hmm. with celebrities and notable people all over town. He's one of those guys that has walls full of photos with him, of himself, with celebrities or notable New Yorkers, and wants to walk you through each room of the house and tell you the story behind every single one, and why he got this photo, and how, because he did this for this person, and he did that, and he's so great. Yeah. And you learn that he's a psychiatrist. Yeah. And... I was going to say quickly, I have to imagine for Joe, when I was listening to this, being a reporter for the Times, if somebody so notable in Manhattan who has a place out in the Hamptons and comes out to, but is at all these galas and glad-handing all these celebrities, that he would have known about him. There would have been some kind of social circle that he would have heard about this guy as, like, you know, a reporter. Right. But he doesn't. And so, by the way, this is all kind of like, the first episode is such a setup. It's called Welcome to the Neighborhood. So then Joe goes on to say that a few days after the party, the maintenance man comes back to their door with this formal invitation to drinks. Just Joe and Diane to come have drinks with the doctor and Becky. So they go to just two couples having drinks like the next night and it got so weird. Yeah. Like they just got their skin crawlsies. Yeah. I think we've all had that before where our gut instinct takes over Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, I'm at this guy's house being so weird, showing me everything. The drinks are strange. I can't like just only served white wine and like a veggie platter. Yeah. And then for a guy that just had a massive party the night before, there weren't leftovers. Right. And it becomes clear to Joe that because he's a journalist at the New York Times, that this Ike guy thinks that he's a prominent New Yorker. Uh Because sure enough, before he leaves the house, he forces Joe to take a photo with him. Not with the wives, just Ike and Joe. And it sounds funny, like, Joe and Diane, like, make their nicies, get the fuck out of the house, run back home. And they must have done that thing where they just, like, fell under the couch and giggles. Right. Like, you know how you come out of a situation that's so surreal and you're holding it together for so uh-huh. long that, like, when you get out, like, with your best friend, you get into the car and you just, like, cannot fucking stop you're laughing. Like, what was that? <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> like, it totally sounds like how Joe and Diane were. And then the summer kind of wrapped up and they went back to New York. Yeah, like a good New Yorker, you go back to the city. They go back to the city. They don't think much about it anymore other than this weird hell oh, and his wife that they had drinks with. And then... They go back out to the their house the next summer. The next summer. So and, now it's the summer of 2012. And Ike's gone. Not a sign of Not Ike. Not a sign of Ike. Not a sign of Becky. But the maintenance man is still hanging around and tinkering. Yep. And so when Joe asks, like, what happened to the shrink next door, you get the, like, explanation that you are not expecting. Now, this is where it takes its first that turn. Ike is not the homeowner. Nope. But the maintenance man is. Our buddy... Marty Markowitz. Yeah. Our buddy question mark? Question mark. Marty shares that, no, Ike was his therapist, was living in his house with him, and he was kind of doing his therapist's bidding in his own house. 
In his own in house. In his own house. And that's where Joe goes, hold what? on. I'm <laughs> this got to, weirder. I got to call my editor. <laughs> yeah, I'd be our back. Be our on. So Joe launches into this story for a while and like, now we're going to move into episode two. Yeah. And it's like, you can't leave this alone. No. I, mean, I need to understand how somebody lets their therapist move in with them and then take over the master bedroom. Which is, okay, so, and that was such a cliffhanger to me after I yeah. listened to that first episode, and they came home and told you about it, and you're like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? Yeah. So, you don't know anything yet, but obviously a therapist, a psychiatrist, yeah. has manipulated a very wealthy client yes. for so long that he is living like the master in the client's house. Yes. So, we find out more about Marty in episode two, Sibling, sibling Rivalry. So, Marty is 38 years old when he and Ike meet in the 80s. Yeah. That was weird. That span so much time. Yeah, you guys, like, not to spoil too soon, but Mike, I'm sorry, I'm going to say Mike so much, Ike the Psych, as I like to call him, uh-huh. and Marty Markowitz have a 30-year relationship before it's all over. So you find out at the beginning of episode two, like, Marty is now back in his Southampton house. He's now the king of the castle, and he's kind of, like, living there on his own. Yeah. And he and Joe make friends. Um, so we find out that, you know, Marty, when he was 38, was kind of, like, just down on his luck. Yeah. He hadn't gotten married yet. He had just split with a girlfriend. And unfortunately for him, sadly, both of his parents had passed. Yeah. And he inherited his father's... Um, Fabrics business. Yeah, which is a huge business in Manhattan. With all of the fashion industry and Mm -hmm. apartments and homes, owning a fabric company is buco bucks. Yeah, and the family was very wealthy. Yes. And but Marty didn't ever live very, you know, extravagantly. He had that nice house in the South in Southampton, but he had a, you know, didn't wear fancy clothes. He had a normal apartment and all of these things. But like I said, he's 38. He's down on his luck. Somebody in his life recommends that he attend therapy. Yeah. And so he somehow gets connected with Ike Hirschkopf. And I get it. I've been there before feeling like something's not right. You need a therapist. And this is where, interesting that, you know, you take a recommendation and you're going to go see Ike and it's a game changer. It's almost like a hairstylist. You've got to find the right one. What fits with you? Exactly. What's the relationship we're going to build? And you just... From the jump. Who is this Ike guy? Well, Ike takes a liking to Marty and it feels for him and says, I wrote it down a quote, I'm going to take care of you. What is that about? So Ike the psych kind of is making Marty feel great at this point. You know, for instance, Marty had this ex-girlfriend that they had broken up, but this girlfriend had clearly like owned him Mm -hmm. while they were together and in fact months after their breakup she came to him and said um you promised to take me on a caribbean vacation and it's time for the vacation to happen and like marty was like oh all right and he took her what and he took her and so like okay so we're realizing quickly marty definitely is a doormat yeah, a wet noodle, I think we'd call well, him. Too, like for sure. But somebody no can walk backbone, all over. Yeah, a total doormat, no spine. And it must be easy to recognize when you first meet him. There's got to be something about this guy. We can learn more about him later, but down on his luck, I don't know what it is, but everyone just could read on him like, I got this guy. Right, and Ike the psych, meanwhile, is strong, and he's a, a quick decision maker, mm-hmm. and he moves in on Marty like, dude, you don't know how to make decisions, and I do, and convinces Marty that I have your best interest at heart, yes. so why don't you let me start making decisions? 
I could not believe that. And so he starts in with like all aspects of Marty's life. So now we got to break off and talk about Sister Phyllis. Yeah, we do. We like Sister Phyllis. So Marty and his sister are the only two siblings of the family. Like I said, their parents are both gone. So Marty was left the business, but Sister Phyllis he gave a job to. Yeah, Sister Phyllis works there. Now, Sister Phyllis definitely get the impression that she knew she could fuck around at work. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's for, sure. for her brother yeah. in her family's business. You know, she's gabbing. She comes in late. Yeah, she long also, lunches. Long lunches. And Marty's fine with all of this. And in fact, Phyllis is going through a divorce right now and has yeah. a couple kids and is having a hard time. And even Marty suggests, like, why don't you see my buddy Ike the psych? Yes. And she's like, okay. And she goes to one session with him and is like, oh, oh no. Nope. Hard pass. Hard pass. Thanks. Anyway, bro. Yeah. And he's looking out for her. He wants to help her. Right. Which you appreciate, especially because you come to find out his her children are like children to him. Yeah. You know? But you know who doesn't appreciate it is Ike the psych. Oh, not a fan of being told no. By Phyllis, right? So he basically poisons Marty's mind against his sister. Mm-hmm. First of all, starts slow. Gets Marty to cut Phyllis's salary by $5,000. And do it... And remember, this is the 80s. That's a lot of fucking that's money. That's a lot of fucking money. But he does it like a demerit. Like, every time Phyllis comes in late, like, okay, your salary's $5,000 less. Not entirely sure that's even fucking legal. I mean, I don't, I don't know. know about New York in the... In the, in the Oh, Jesus Christ. The podcast is chasing a bug up the wall. You guys, I'm going to warn you now. This is going to go poorly for everybody. Yeah, there's a TV. Hang with us. Hang with us. Anyway, back to the story. Eventually, Ike the Psych it convinces Marty to fire his sister, Phyllis. His, she doesn't love that. She does not <laughs> love that. But also, Sister Phyllis has, like, Ike's number. She realizes that this dude is taking over her brother's life. And that she's kind of powerless. She can't say anything to her brother. Marty's not hearing any of this. No. So Phyllis takes some shit into her own hands. I loved this part of Get the it, podcast. Sister Phyllis. I'm going to call her SP. Sister Let's Phyllis. SP. She was crushing it. She knew Ike had a hold on her brother that she just could not understand and feared for his future. And in a... And for her family's business. Absolutely. And in a beautifully protective, diabolical way, <laughs> girlfriend flies her ass like on a day trip to Europe, to Zurich, to Zurich, Switzerland, moves the family money that's in their names over to a bank account that Marty has no idea about in her name only, like drains their account, mm-hmm. comes back to New York, waltzes into his apartment, takes like the bank notes out of a hallway closet, yes. brings them home with her, and now all the money he has is just what's in his current bank account. Oh, but not only that. She went downtown to the bank in New York City, took the safety deposit box, yes. and took all, all of, of the, her mother's diamonds yes. and took them into her possession, not because she's being greedy. And she, by the way, did not spend and squander these nope. things. She was protecting them from Marty because she knew Ike was coming for the goods. Yes. I thought that was so great, especially when you find out she didn't touch the money. She, didn't she touch just truly might be the only one that cared about her brother's well-being. Exactly. 
It's like Denise Richards on Beverly Hills when yes. she said she didn't, she wasn't a greedy whore, so she didn't take Charlie Sheen to the cleaners in their <laughs> divorce. So she didn't get half of his money. She just wanted to get out. But she's like, but looking back, I should have taken half of his fucking money because I would have taken care of it uh-huh. and given it back to him. Now he wouldn't have to be bankrupt, yeah. uh, Charlie. Even hookers need Thanksgiving dinner. Even hookers deserve Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, so anyway, but Marty does find out that Sis took the family jewels and the yep. offshore bank account. And this ends their relationship completely. Yeah, he makes some pretty cruel moves, like sending photos of them back to her with just her cut out. Yes. Like the her Childish half of the photos. Stuff. And stuff that Ike told him to do. Yes. Told him this would be cleansing for you to rid yourself of her and completely. And the really sad thing, too, is she had two daughters, mm-hmm. and he was, Marty, was very close with his nieces and was sick enough on, you know, Ike's pushing to send his niece a letter to her school she got called out of class to go down to the office to read a note from her uncle, like, basically banning them from his life. Yep. And, like, you're out Just, of the will. You're out of the will. All stuff. So devastating and so sad. Yeah. And, I mean, again, spoiler alert, but they don't make up for 30 years. So his teen nieces grow up without him, and his sister doesn't hear from him again for 30 years. Crazy. So that's episode two. Moving into episode three, it's called Easy Mark Markowitz. And this is why I only want to call him Mark Markowitz. <laughs> Before Amy and I were talking, I was like, I know it's not Mark Markowitz, but that's the only way I want to refer to him from now on. Well, this is the nickname that Ike the Psych yes. gives Marty. And this is what Ike keeps telling Marty. You're an easy mark. I need to protect you. Yep. You need to trust me. Gaslights. And so we we totally gaslights him. So we find out that obviously in the second episode he had disowned his sister and his nieces, mm-hmm. but he also now believes because Ike tells him so he can trust nobody in his life. So he shuts down all of his friendships, his relationships with his um, his rabbi and yeah. um, his, sorry uh, temple, mm-hmm. um, and he gets to a place now. Um, probably late 80s, early 90s, so he's in his early 40s. He is close with zero people in his life besides Ike, Ike's wife, Becky, and Ike and Becky's two daughters. Yeah. I mean, Ike is starting to infiltrate so much of his life that he is converted to Judaism, I believe. I think Ike Hirschkopf was always a Jew. I feel like there was a long conversation about... I agree, stereotypically speaking. Ike Stevens, Isaac Stevens. Thank you. Tries to. So anyway, so so basically, like, here's Ike's checklist of isolate. This is a classic abuser, by the way. Yeah, totally. Isolate him from friends and family. Yep. Check. Get under his skin financially. Here we go. Yeah. So Marty's still running the successful fabrics business. And we get to meet my favorite. Uh, Oh, my God. My favorite character of this whole podcast Bruce the coworker. Oh. Bruce. Bruce. Okay, I'm terrible at New York accents, but I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna do my best. So Bruce is like, I don't know what the hell was going on, but like one day I was fighting with my coworker in the office. Turned out to be my uncle. Told me to get the fuck out of my face. What you gonna do? Anyway, <laughs> he's like, I was working for Marty. Marty's kind of weird, but whatever. It's fine. I've been working for his family a long time. It's fine. And then, <laughs> am I doing okay? No. <laughs> All right, then you tell me what Bruce says next. <laughs> Well, Bruce, we find out, is kind of the greatest. Like I mentioned, he very much had Marty's back, really liked working for him. Um, 
But then he starts to share how Ike becomes such a deep, integral part of the company to the point where he almost names himself president of this fabric company. And as we hear him say, it was weird. You could call the office and like press one for customer service, press two for sales, press three for the operations floor, press four for the president. Ike. And he's like, who the fuck is Ike? Who is Ike? this guy that I've never met before? That is business cards. That is the president of the company. Yes. Why is he in this guy's company now? And there's all this weird stuff going on where they're going under pseudonyms. So, like, Ike Hirschkopf creates Isaac Stevens. Yes. And so Isaac Stevens winds up becoming the president of the company. But then even he makes Marty take on a false name. So Marty, there's this... Now, like, head of quality control that has an office and has stationery in their fabrics office, but no one ever once meets this man named Marshall Feldhammer. So Marshall Feldhammer is quality control, and they've all seen letters from Marshall Feldhammer, because anytime a customer would have a complaint, Mm -hmm. they would receive this detailed letter from Marshall Feldhammer about how, no, you're wrong, and we won't be refunding you. (laughs) Which is where we find out the team is, like, so upset. They're like, well, if there was an issue, we would have fixed it, but this guy is telling customers you're wrong? Exactly. I'm pretty confident the customer is always right. Right. And then also Marty becomes Norman Horowitz whenever he wants to give bad news to somebody in the company. Like, rando Norman Horowitz stationary head would come to your desk with, like, your bad news. So all of these pseudonyms, like... So you can't keep them trapped. Right, track so they again. have this big-ass, like, warehouse with these empty offices with nameplates on the door and stationery flying around. And this is all, come to find out later, Ike manipulating Marty and getting into his beeswax. I just feel like the stationery was an, an unnecessary move. I mean, I see what they were trying to say, but just sign it's, a it's fucking a blank piece of paper. It's a lot. <laughs> it's, a lot. it's aggressive. <laughs> sure is. So then Ike is like, all right, I isolated him. I'm basically running his business. Yeah. How do I go after his personal millions? So gross. So this is like, this really is skeezy. So Ike the psych talks to Marty and says, look, you have nobody but me. Uh-huh. If you were, you wrote your family out of your will. If you were to die, all of your money. So he's got you know millions personally, yeah. plus his assets, his homes, his cars. I mean, he doesn't have fancy stuff, but he's got a ton of it. Yeah. Um, if you die, all of that just goes to the government. It'll just be in you know yeah. um, a state court forever. And like, wouldn't it just be better if it went to a charitable foundation? This was so weird. So let's go ahead and start a charitable foundation. And you know what? My wife Becky and I will be on the board with you. Yeah, that sounds like a really smart idea. So, and Marty, Marty, the ever easiest fucking Mark Markowitz. <laughs> fucking easy Mark Markowitz is like, yeah, what do we do, man? Yeah. So they start the Yaron Foundation, where Marty invests to get us off the ground $165,000. Ike and Becky, 5K. <laughs> 5K. Dick move. Dick move. And then on top of this, you have to remember that Marty is doing two sessions a week with Ike, and Ike's still charging him by the hour. Yes. And he, by the fucking hour. And he's like $200 an hour or something in the oh, yeah. 80s. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that. And, like, look, there's not insurance covering this. No. Right? Um, so, holy fucking shit. So now, I mean, Marty, Marty is completely controlled in all ways yeah. by Ike at this point. So, 
Now, like, Ike is just completely abusing the foundation, and Marty is seeing all these checks go out the door, and like, oh, well, I guess I guess it's good to be donating money. Oh, mm-hmm. look, we're philanderers. And so now, Ike starts to Philanthropers buy... or philanderers? A little bit of both, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Philanthropists. They're philanthropists. <laughs> but so now we find out that Ike is buying these, like, $10,000 tables yes. at charity galas, and this is how he's getting all of those photos with, with celebrities. celebrities that Joe Nocera sees later on. Yes. And guess who's taking all these photos? Amy, we know who's taking these photos. Easy Mark Markowitz. Easy Mark Markowitz. <laughs> oh, yes. I cannot. So Ike just, like, buys these Do tables. Do it for the gram. Look, he had, Marty had letters that he wrote to, well, um, God, Woody Allen's ex-wife, Mia Farrow. Oh, those like, are the best. All of these, like, New York celebrities, like, come sit at my table uh-huh. for free. I've already bought the table. But he, so he would buy, like, a table of ten, he and his wife, Becky, then they would invite, like, seven people and save one seat for Marty. <laughs> he can't have Marty wasn't allowed to invite anybody. Who would he invite, Amy? He well, had no friends. He could invite his camera. Because his one job at these charity events was to follow Ike the Psych and take photos of him with rich people. And he wouldn't, like, have a deep conversation with Brooke Shields. She would be getting up from the table to go to the bathroom, and he would slide in. Be like, Brooke, so good to meet you. Smile the cameras to our right. Dink. Have a good night and run away. Mm-hmm. It was insane. I mean, brilliant, but insane. Diabolical. Diabolical. If you will. All right. Episode four, The Familia. Ooh, I loved this episode. This was probably my favorite episode, too, because by the end of episode three, I'm done with Marty and his bullshit for just a minute. I agree. It was nice to bring in other people who were part of the familia, which was interesting. And creepy as fuck. Creepy as fuck, y'all. We find out Marty is not the only Mark. Not the only easy Mark in town. Not the only easy Mark in town. Um, I don't have the name, but there was one woman who was... Basically, we find out, giving away all of the money her family could have. Judith. Judith. Judith, quotation marks, not her real name. Yeah, a lot of these women that we find in the Familia aren't sharing their real name, and I see why. So the Familia is Emily, Sarah, and Judith. All three of those are pseudonyms Uh, because women are smart enough to be like, I'll share my story, but you can't fucking say my name. No. And then there's, I'm Marty Markowitz. That's (laughs) M-A-R-T-Y, social security number, 046. Marty's thirsty. We need to get him a glass of water. One point women. (laughs) Anyway. A lot of points women. But yeah, these women in this familia are so tranced by Mm -hmm. Ike. That they will, this one woman, Judith Cher, quote unquote Judith, that she was seeing him twice a week for $200 a session each, $400 a week cash to this guy, and sometimes her kids just didn't eat. Because if mom's not right, no one's right. And look, I love self-care. Love self-care. But Judith. Jude. Jude Judster. I have follow-up questions. I have so many. Do your kids hate you still? Are they in therapy? Does insurance cover it? Right? (laughs) Basically, this episode four goes to show that Marty wasn't the only target. Yes. But that Ike had this way with with more than just him. And basically... Clearly should not have a license to be practicing Mm-mm. any sort of mental health on anybody. This dude is a monster. Yeah, he really infiltrated everyone's lives and really made them believe that they couldn't even think about 
Do they want wavy chips? Ruffles? Do they want plain chips without his input? They would call him and ask. They took he took away their ability to have any kind of thinking, let alone critical thinking. Yeah. But just like, do I want the soft toilet paper? Or do I want the rough toilet paper? Like nothing they could do. Well, so Judith tells us the story of how she had always had a difficult relationship with her mother. And Ike, again, was in the process of isolating her to have full control over Judith and convinced Judith that her relationship with her mother was toxic beyond compare or repair. And Judith cuts off her mother. Yeah. And at the time, Ike celebrates her. Look at what you've done for yourself. You're so strong. And she believed that for years until she got word that her mother was dying. And even then, Ike said, you need to choose me and health, mental health, or her. And so she never contacted her mother, and her mother died. And since Judith has woken up from the spell and realized... It's her biggest regret. Yeah, she can never have that back. And then it went further. Not only did her mother pass away, but he told her, you can either skip Shiva or go to the funeral, but you need to wear headphones and, like, a scarf around your head and not listen to anything anybody says, or go to the city... I'll tell people you're sitting Shiva by yourself and you just can't bear to be around other people. So that's what she did. She didn't even go and pay her respects to her respect to her mother. It was everything about it again is diabolical. Who takes that from somebody? 100%. How can you think what you're doing is right for this person? And what I loved about this episode as somebody who is in therapy is they talk so much about the patient like doctor relationship. And how it's all about the good of the patient. And if you as a therapist, doctor, psychiatrist, or whatever is getting anything from it, it has to stop. Mm -hmm. If you're benefiting in Mm -hmm. a positive way off of your people's pain, you got to cut it off and you need to be done. Other than like your fees. Yeah, exactly. Like Greg gets his 60. We have a great (laughs) chit chat. And I say, text me in a couple weeks. Remind me to come back and see you. But I can't imagine this as somebody who's in therapy. And that just hit me like, this guy is insane. Well, yeah. I mean, he is a, a narcissist at the best. A 100%. psychopath. Yep. Um, just not nice. <laughs> uncool, Ike. <laughs> Soup's uncool. So uncool, man. Yes. All right. So now the rest of the podcast, episodes five and six, are basically like Marty's freeing of the chains. Yeah. Mar- Did I say Marty or Mary? Mari. <laughs> Either is fine by I me. And I'll be honest, we're going to go through what happened, but episode five and six, I didn't care for as much no. because after I even learned like Judith's story, I was like, tell me more about Judith. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm now like on my personal journey with this podcast was like, I don't want to talk about Marty anymore. No. That spineless dumb nuts that it's- got himself scammed. Like I don't know how bad I really feel for Marty anymore. Yeah, especially when you find out in episode four that when these women finally did leave Ike's power, they reached out to Marty. We're like, hey, man, I've seen the light. You know, come mm-hmm. back. Come with we us. We made mistakes. We made mistakes. Let me show you. And he shunned them all and was like, mm-hmm. no, you're crazy. Ike has my best interest. This is what I should be doing. So when you hear that and you're four episodes deep on how this guy is being manipulated, episode five and six, you're like, well... Okay, but, like, I have no sympathy anymore for him, kind of, especially after four episodes. Not really. So, like, episode five, we're basically back with, it's called The Last Straw. So this is going to tell us the story of how Marty finally 
pulled himself away from yeah. Mike. And he's telling this to Joe, our, our narrator, personally, because they've become buds over the years. They still have houses next door to each yes. other in Southampton. So since 2012, when Joe saw Marty by himself for that summer, they've been cultivating this relationship for the last, yeah. like, six years. And Joe's journalist work- does his work. Yeah, Joe's been working <laughs> on this story. So they have years and years of, like, going through Marty's old office and looking through papers. Yeah. Okay, so, like, episode five, I'll tell you, when I first started listening to it, I thought it was a podcast ad, and I fast-forwarded a bunch. Same! It was not cool, Wondery. So they started off with this, like, science fiction cop robber kind of tale. Yeah, and quickly I'll jump in that a lot of the times you do not personally hear from Ike. Oh, yeah. He is writing in letters or emails to Joe. And they have Mark first Fowerstein. An actor. An actor from like Royal Pains. Um, a couple of movies. If you look him up, you'll be like, oh, him. He <laughs> does all the reading for Ike. And so it just starts out this episode with this guy reading a book. And I was like, well, we're just dumb. Diving into an ad for some, like, book of the month club. That's what I thought, too. And I was like, it's not a good book, so I'm skipping. <laughs> well, it turns out it's Ike's book. I know. I immediately was like, oh, back, 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 back. Me, too. I had to do the same thing. So crazy. So we learn at the top of episode five that Ike fancies himself a writer. A writer. A novelist. <laughs> Guys, we didn't even try on that one. We did not. Okay, so he, he writes these books, but here's the thing. And this is so fucking weird. So weird. Ike longhand writes his books. <laughs> the fuck is that? And then I, hands... I can barely take notes for the show. <laughs> lined college notepaper, I, su- I suppose, to Marty and forces Marty... So this is like the mid-90s. Yeah. Marty, as part of his therapy, uh-huh. has to type up Ike's novels. So he spends hours and hours out in his Southampton house or in his apartment in the city. Do you think he had a gateway? Well, the cow he boxes says, came to the thing. When I first heard it, I was like, he must have had a typewriter. But then later on, Marty says, I can pull anything up for you. It's all on my computer. Mm-hmm. I think he did have a cow gateway, and it's yeah. all on his desktop. Of course. <laughs> it's a <laughs> folder. <laughs> like Ike's stories. Ike's books. Ike's books. <laughs> Ike's dykes. Ike's dykes. <laughs> yeah, Ike's stories. Yeah. <laughs> Story time with Ike. <laughs> so just like as part of therapy, again, Ike's the psych has assigned Marty slash writer <laughs> slash novelist <laughs> to type up these books. And then he's got other things to type up. For instance, could you type up my letters to the New York Times? Because turns out Ike was a prolific editor's like letter to, <laughs> to the, the editor, editor writer. Oh, and best. Marty, still in 2019, by the way, sounded impressed. He was like, about 75% of what we sent in got published. Which is not a bad hit rate, really. It's really a good ROI for all of the work that they were doing. But Joe had been like, what? I've been publishing your shit. Right. Well, then it gets worse and weird. Yeah. So Marty, or Ike, is so blatant that he starts having Marty write up other, like, his reports on other patients. So, like, diagnoses of other, which, again, doctor-patient confidentiality, the super wrong. Do I ask Greg all of the time to tell me about everybody else in therapy? Yes. Yes. Does he do it? No. It's a Hippocratic Oath or whatever like, that is. I the worst? Hippo is the worst? Tell me what's going on. Make me feel good about myself. Okay, but there is like 30 seconds of this podcast that like I can't get over when they mentioned that Courtney Love <laughs> is a patient of Ike the Psych. And Marty's like, oh yeah, let me pull up her records right here. Yeah. And so <laughs> Joe and Marty read Court- the things that Courtney Love I'm- 
Oh, and it's a psych in the 90s, right after Kurt Cobain. So obviously, they didn't tell us on the podcast because doctor patient confidentiality. But. And uh, a journalistic oath, apparently, Joe took because Mama like, wants them notes. Marty's like, oh, yeah, right here. Click, click. Here's Dead. what Courtney Love had to say. Uh, and those walls could talk. Sanity. So this is going to come back around later, but basically, like, the story continues that Mike, Mike, Ike Mike. and Marty are just, it's like a marriage that's gone stale. Yeah. They're just starting to be, frankly, annoyed with uh-huh. one another. And the big ending comes, and this is where I'm like, God, Marty, get a fucking life. Right? Marty got a hernia. <laughs> and I know it happens to older men. I cried about it a lot. Anyway, we're 27 years into this relationship between the two of them. So Ike right. is now, or Marty is now 68 years old. Mm-hmm. Ike's got to be in his 60s as well. <laughs> Marty gets a hernia and literally has nobody else in his life yep. and winds up having to take himself to the hospital, hire a cab back to his apartment. Yep. And Ike never called to check on him during his recovery. Mm-hmm. And Marty was hurt. And I want to say, like, my instinct is to be like, suck it the fuck up, old man. Yeah. But Marty does explain pretty eloquently, and Joe kind of helps him along with, like, it's been 30 years. He's got nobody else in his life. Like, it is kind of like a marriage. Yeah. At least from Marty's perspective. Absolutely. And his caretaker, essentially, uh-huh. abandoned him and didn't call or check on him. Yeah. And it's Marty's hurt, and it's also that moment, and all of us have had that relationship where you go, there's no going back. Yep. It's done. Is it? This is it. So he, he breaks up with Ike. <laughs> He writes yes. him a Dear John letter. He really does. He really does. Well, he's been so accustomed to typing for him lately. Might as well <laughs> just add to the list. Like, put it on top. Like, hey, here's all the stuff you asked me for. By the way, like, I'm putting it in my two weeks. I'm going to cover note. Yeah. I can't be with you anymore. Right? Yes. But no, you're right. Everything about this episode was so sad, Sacky. Mm-hmm. And yes, of course, you do feel so bad for him. He's so isolated. But he had so many signs of friends and family and people trying to pull him out. He made himself cry in the words of the great Spencer Pratt. Yeah, and so then, like, moving on to episode six, it's titled, What Did I Do to You? And so basically it's the fallout, and it's honestly not that interesting to me. I could so not agree more. Marty and Ike have a legal battle now. Yeah. And um, the sister Phyllis, SP, comes back, and the one good thing about the episode is um, Marty and Phyllis reunite as siblings, mm-hmm. and Phyllis is really kind of, like, apprehensive to all yeah. of it at first, but now she is happy to have a relationship with her brother back. You know, Marty kind of sees the light now, but Phyllis is like, look, I haven't talked to him since he was 38. He's now 68. In a lot of ways, he's 16. Like, yeah. he had emotionally regressed so far yep. that uh, he's like an awkward teenager. He can't talk to girls. Mm-hmm. He's weirdly inappropriate in public. Yeah. And he's a, he's a mess. Yeah. Still a mess. That 30 years of therapy did a whole squad of nothing. I wouldn't say it was therapy, if I'm being honest. Well, yeah, that's fair. I think that's the thing that, like, my takeaway is, like, this is a tragic story of a guy getting abused. His life stolen from his him. His life stolen from him, but mm-hmm. this is not a story about therapy. Mm-hmm. You know? We've got one life to live. I'm not <laughs> letting somebody else live it for me. Yeah, I guess and that, to me, was like a... A major eye opener. I'm like, Erica, are you living your best life? Are you living it? Is somebody else living it? 
I suppose it is a cautionary tale, if nothing else. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought this podcast up. I thought the first episode was great. Two was cool. The Familia was good. I'm going to give it a six out of ten. I'm going to say that the production value was really high. I mean, Wondery Wondery puts out really high-quality podcasts. Yeah, I don't take away from the quality. Production, soups, nine out of ten. Yeah. Um, The... Um, I've got a spell on you. Um, Intro. Yeah, they do a musical cover of "I Put a Spell on You" and "Now You're Mine" from Hocus Pocus. Uh, well, from real life, but like you might know yes. best from Hocus Pocus, the movie. They do an incredible cover of it. So you know, dark production value definitely nine or ten yeah. out of ten. Um, how do I feel about Marty? Ugh. Ugh. Like a wet five. Yeah. How do I feel about Ike? Like a negative two. Uh-huh. How do I feel about Joe? I'm 11. He's a good guy. He found mm-hmm. himself in a cool situation. You find yourself in situations where people take a shoe. It's not full podcast episode worthy, but it's a pop-up. <laughs> it's a pop-up worthy. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's The Shrink Next Door. Listen for yourselves. Let us know what you think. Um, or maybe that was just enough for you, and you're welcome. Now you don't have to. Right? <laughs> All right, so let's liven up the mood. Let's do it. To some podcasts that we would say 10 out of 10 recommend. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Awesome. So, Amy, Pop up time. I got a recommendation this week from my cousin, Kristen, who yeah. reached out to me and was like, are you listening to Lauren Conrad's podcast, Asking for a Friend? Okay. No, I am not, is the answer to that question. Correct. I said, samesies. And I told her I didn't want to. I thought Lauren Conrad's voice was pretty dull and nap-inducing, to which she told me, I think she sounds like you. And so that hurt. That was a deep cut. That was a deep cut. But if you don't know who Lauren Conrad is, LC from the Hills, originally Laguna Beach, basically owns all of Cole's department stores now. Pretty much. And has a pretty cute little Instagram life and husband, son, she's crushing it. The rest is still unwritten. <laughs> I held it. Spit out my wine, you whore. That's so good. That was so good. Anyway, she's Pat got yourself a- on the back. Thank you. Anyway, she has a podcast called Asking for a Friend, and I listened to the episode Sophia Rossi from reality TV producer to female founder. And Sophia Rossi was a talent producer on The Hills, and she was like one of Lauren's talent producers. Ah, sure. So you um, hear, if you're a fan of The Hills, I highly recommend this episode. It was in the day. Yeah, it was so good. But you just hear her talk about how, you know, on her flip phone, she would have to like (laughs) text Lauren and be like, what are you doing today? Where are you? Camera crews are coming and just kind of became like their best friends and was around them a lot. And to the point where even if like Lauren Conrad's mom couldn't get a hold of her, she would call Sophia and be like, do you have have my daughter today? What's going on? Can you ever call me? She'd be like, yeah, we're shooting. I'll have her text you back. And there's, like, all of the great stories she has about being on the show, how, like, poor Lauren's apartment, even when they weren't filming, they had to keep set lights in. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I'd bring people over, and they'd be like, what the hell are these lights in your building? They say that on John and Kate Plus 8, too, that, like, the little kids were just so used to that blinding overhead yes. light. And she was, like, Lauren was like, you know, I never kept those lights on. She's like, but every now and then if I was doing my makeup for an event, I'd pop them on <laughs> and have, like, really good lighting to do my makeup. And so you just hear all these really great stories about how she would go to them because Sophia is a born and bred L.A. girl. Mm-hmm. And they had no idea. They were all new to L.A. So she was like, oh, Lauren, it's your birthday? You're not going to Ledoux for your birthday? 
Like, oh, you're oh, you are gonna go to Ladue for your birthday. Great. She's like, and I would put into their heads things that they Ledoux. should do. You should go to Ladue, R.I.P. Ladue. But um, one of my favorite stories she told is how they would have to like sit in a van down by the river and like <laughs> like hide from the kids when they were doing their filming and just mm-hmm. kind of watch stuff come in. So Lauren and Brody were on a date. Yeah, Brody Jenner and. She was like, we're in the van. She was like, it's like a Tuesday night at 10. I want to fucking go home when you're on this stupid date. She's like, and you and Brody are arguing over what lobster bisque is. She's like, and we're sitting in the van. Like, is this happening? What? She was like, and you were like, I think it's a soup. And he was like, I'm pretty sure it's a pasta sauce. So he ordered it. And then it came. And it was soup. And he said to you, oh, they do it different here. <laughs> they do it different here. What a little twerp, right? So funny. But so it's a great listen. So he is also one of the co-founders of Hello Giggles. Oh, I love that website. Yes. You know what you're going to love more? She sold it uh-huh. to Time uh-huh. and made $30 million. <laughs> so now she is currently starting up a new venture called High Note. It's a spice company. Um, tune in to listen to more about that. I know. But, um, if you love a BTS from your favorite MTV shows, I highly recommend this episode. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Behind the scenes. Is that BTS? Yes. Okay. BT dubs. Yes. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not as cool as you sometimes. That's okay. I try to help. All right. I'm actually going to rehash a pop-up from, I think, two weeks ago. Okay. Do you remember me telling you that I had started listening to a podcast called The Ballad of Billy Balls? Wait, yes. This was the guy in Greenwich who had a girlfriend, and then yeah. he died, and then the, shot in front of their house. Yeah, the yeah. Um, podcast host is actually the daughter of the girlfriend, but that's not her dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Update. So, um, I, I really recommend you listen to this podcast because you are a music lover. Yes. So while like I know when I tell you the story from like my boys, yeah, you're like, okay, Amy, another true crime, fine. But I just had to tell you, like, the way that this podcast is produced, it's the sexiest, like, rock and roll type podcast. I need to tell my uncle about it. He, I think being a musician from the city would love it. Your uncle Greg would love yes. this podcast. Um, so I, I kept listening. I think that I had listened to episodes one through three last time. Yeah. I'm now four, five, and six. And um, I think that they are still coming out. But basically in episode four, five, and six... You start to hear the other side. Like, Billy wasn't that great of a man. Of course. Billy Balls basically was shot in front of their apartment in the 80s. But Io, who's the host of this, who's the daughter of Rebecca, who was Billy's girlfriend at the time of his death, has spent her life idolizing this man because Rebecca has been mourning him for 37 years. And not a day goes by where it lets up. Yeah. I mean, she... a lot. After Billy died, she did at least procreate with another man. Yeah. So that's why she has her daughter Io... Um, but we move on and like, there's a stunner that comes in this one, which is the fact that Billy does have a daughter. (gasps) And so they find this out because Io is trying to, there's all these people that she is drumming up friends from the eighties and other people that knew Billy and Rebecca. And they're like, yeah, no, Billy and your mom were super in love, but like Billy was a trash bag. And, um, there's all these conspiracy theories about the police having killed Billy. Oh. And it's like, but why? why would they? Like he because Billy got shot in front of the apartment, but he didn't die there. He actually oh. died in the hospital later under what seemed to be with the stories that have come out, weird circumstances. Yeah. Like he was alive and was doing fine and then 
mysteriously died in the hospital. And so there are people coming out of the woodwork saying the cops definitely killed him. They're trying to keep Uh-oh. something quiet. And then other people saying, yeah, but if the cops arranged to have him killed in front of the apartment, why don't they just <laughs> kill them then? Yeah, like, let's do it. It's a lot more complicated to do this whole two, three-step yeah, process. That's a lot. There's an ambulance expensive. So, you know, what's fascinating about it is that it's this tragic love story, but we also are trying to unravel a conspiracy theory slash crime. Yeah. And then Ayo really can't get anywhere because she has zero blood relation to Billy. Yeah. And so she has to dig harder, and she finds he has a daughter. Amazing. Right. And so the daughter, she contacts and the daughter's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, sure. I'll come talk. She knows that Billy is her dad. Okay. But she's been living in Seattle. She got sent to Seattle with her grandmother a long time ago because dad and her mother were both heroin addicts and, you know, it was a bad situation for a toddler. So thankfully she got out of there and was raised by her grandparents, but knew who her parents were. And eventually later on, her mother, who had dated Billy before Rebecca, um, got clean, got okay. out to Seattle, and, um, and unfortunately passed since then. But I was like, yeah, I'll call the hospital. He's my blood father. I can get his death certificate. I can call the city and get, again, the death certificate or whatever records you need. Super willing to help out the podcast. Cool. Yeah, so um, I just, in the way heroin is, I'm addicted to this podcast. Oh. Like, it's just seedy and sexy, and I just, like, when I'm listening to it, like, I know I should be listening to shows for our podcast. I know I should be finding new pop-ups to report to, but I can't stop listening. No, I think that that means it's really good that. It's really good. So, again, it's Crime Town Presents. Uh-huh. Um, so, it's like a subset yep. of the Crime Town podcast, The Ballad of Billy Balls. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. Um, we'd end it on a high note. I think so. I really liked it. Guys, we hope you thought this was a high note of an episode. And if you do, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We are up to 25 five-star reviews. <laughs> well, hey, we clicked up one. We love to dive deep into a podcast and unpack it. So if there's something out there we haven't heard yet that you suggest we unpack, let us know. We're happy to check it out. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter, PodcastRWD. Slide into a DM. Shoot an email, PodcastRWD at Gmail. And... We're so easy to find. Honestly, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. We don't think. No. But we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We hope you have a lovely week. Yeah, have a great time. And most importantly, don't forget to be kind and rewind. Bye, guys. Bye.